Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common against each other to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, Morgan Freeman, a mullet to rival Kevin Keegan, and Alan Rickman's raised by a demon. Yes, from 1991, it's Robin Hood. Prince of Thieves. A time when the only way to uphold justice was to break the law. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. While in the blue corner, ever wondered what a Robin Hood movie mashed up with Batman might look like? Well, wonder no more. From 2018, it's Robin Hood. I call him Robin Hood. It's got a nice ring to it, don't you think? So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Chris Tilly. And this week, Victoria chose two movies, which, as you just heard, were from 1991 with Prince of Thieves and 2018's Robin Hood. So... We're not sure anymore, Victoria. Are we doing the connection? Are we not doing the connection? Are you just going to tell us? Would you like us to guess? Uh, yeah, you can guess. Chris? It's Robin Hood's. Yeah, it's Robin Hood's. <laughs> or is it two films where you meet a woman called Marion and she's like a martial arts expert, but then over the next two hours, she experiences the loss of those skills <laughs> in direct proportion to her increasing attraction to a man named Robin? <laughs> okay. Is that it? That's a good one. And we actually had a suggestion on Twitter at ClashPod is where we are on Twitter. Neil, and I'll be reading more from Neil later because he has some very strong opinions about 2018's Robin Hood, which I'm saving for when we get to that. But he does say the link is that they also both have a Saracen in, which isn't even in the Robin Hood story. No, it's not. I did that research as well, Neil, and it's not. It was added later as part of something called the Mayday Games if you're interested. So what made you pick these two? Or what may day do you pick these two? Good, very good. I picked this because I have always said that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is one of my favourite films. And so I wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's until I watched it last night. And now it's not one of my favourite films anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Is it not? It was such a confusing experience. Yeah, there's so much of it that I've forgotten. So quick question. How long between when you last watched it and watched it now? It's a good few years ago. I mean, it, I would say at least five years ago. Right. So mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this since I saw it as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a real real eye-opener for me watching this again because when I watched it last time, Kevin Costner looked like an adult and now I think he's younger than me in it and it was really <laughs> upsetting. Yeah. There's just so much that's 
like the accents i'd forgotten how patchy they are mm. um how long it is yep. very long and then i was like oh and did morgan freeman just perform a cesarean section <laughs> I, like, I don't remember <laughs> that bit at all and what made you put it against uh the most recent robin hood rather than say the disney or the errol flynn or the russell crowe or indeed uh, as a lot of people have said Men in tights. Um, the honest answer is because it's freely available on Netflix for a subscription. Yes, um, thinking of the listeners. Yeah, I was. And this is the first time all three of us hadn't seen that film going yeah. into it, which is interesting. I know that yeah. really, that upset you, but I never feel bothered about that sort of thing. Once again, Neil on Twitter, thank you for getting in touch. We'll be addressing exactly that point, the fact that none of us had seen it, which is going to be the defence I'm levelling at your tweet later. But anyway, Vicky, you gave who, Prince of Thieves? Chris. All right, then. So we do it chronologically. We start. With 1991's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Chris, take us away. First, an apology. At the end of uh, last week's episode, I got a bit confused by Vicky's quiz. And I think that's because she said, do you know Common Sense Media? And I thought you meant red letter media. And I said, yes. So can you explain what Common Sense Media is? I don't know if you know what it is, actually, Alex. Well, I was listening to Vicky on last week's show, so I know exactly what it is when she said it's a website that tells you where all the swear words are in and if people don't use birth control. Am I right? <laughs> if people do use birth do control. Do use birth yeah. control. It's okay. where people, if they don't try hard enough at their marriage, someone's got issue with that. Right. So it's... It's, um, what, it's what parents need to know. According to Common Sense Media, it's what parents yeah, need to yeah. know. Yeah. The synopsis I am using this week is not one that I've written. It's from Common Sense Media, What Parents Need to Know. So this is your introduction to Prince of Thieves. Indeed. Here we go. The film opens with a painful torture scene in which a man's arm is chopped off with a machete. A painful childbirth scene, brackets implied caesarean. A hanging... Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry. There is also an attempted rape and a scary, creepy witch. <laughs> F dash dash K is used on one occasion. There is also brief male nudity, brackets buttocks. <laughs> See, that's why I love it so much. It's such a good website. <laughs> implied caesarean. Well, what else was he doing? I met a hooded man today. His name? Robin of Loxley. <laughs> the prodigal son returns. What's your memory of watching this one then, Alex? So I remember watching this and I read all the reviews from the time in preparation for today and loads of reviews go on, a little bit like that ridiculous paragraph you just read <laughs> about how dark this movie was and how depressing and how the tone was kind of morbid. And I don't remember that film at all. And I don't really remember it from watching it this time. For me, it's a fun blockbuster. Yeah, it's a family film. Yeah, it's, it's not... fun. The dark things happen in it, but the tone is light, mm. I think, all the way through. Yeah. I, I remember, I, I think I saw this three times at the cinema. I was so into it. And it, and it was the biggest film of the year in the UK. Um, it was the second biggest in America after... Terminator 2. Terminator 2, yeah. But I think they were pretty close over here, but I guess Robin Hood, it's because it's an English institute, we just saw that one a little bit more. My first question mm. is, why does it open with the Bayer Tapestry? <laughs> That's always well, I, everyone's first question. Because I, I'm not sure that relates to anything to do with the Crusades. I thought that was the Battle of Hastings. Was that to sort of throw people off the scent of Kevin Costner's accent so people were more concerned with the Bayer Tapestry <laughs> as opposed to the fact he doesn't even try? I think he does try. Do you does, think he does? Yeah, I honestly do. I've had a huge... Like think about this this morning. I think he really tries, but I think if you're the director and you've done a few takes, do you take the take where the acting was like fucking brilliant, but the accent slipped a bit, or do you insist that he does it again with the accent perfectly in place? And I think you have to go with the where the acting was better. So mm. he maybe didn't have that much to choose. Well, they from. were mates, weren't they? Kevin Reynolds yeah. and Kevin Costner were good friends at this point. Yeah, I think they met at college, but they stayed in touch with each other. And Fandango was both their first movies, I think. Yeah, and so you'd expect him to go, Kev. His accent. Just don't try. What Christian it is you're Slade doing. is not trying. Yeah. So why should you? I think I think... Don't watch Brian Blessed and try and copy him because <laughs> you can't. Well, that's a massive problem, though. Brian Blessed could not be more British or Northern or Yorkshire, and he's his son. <laughs> it makes no <laughs> yeah. sense. I think either that happened, though. I think Reynolds told him, it ain't working, don't bother. Or I think this is when we're getting into the period of Costner that was ego-driven. And I think maybe Costner thought, I don't even need to try. They'll just flock to see me play Robin Hood in my own accent, and they did. Yeah, he wasn't wrong, was he? So. Wasn't wrong. I mean, the only good thing that came out of Costner doing an American accent was it actually birthed one of the three funny jokes in Men in Tights, where Kerry Ewells <laughs> goes, I'm a Robin Hood who actually speaks with an English accent. <laughs> 
think that's one of three laughs in that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was watching, I, I couldn't seem to get hold of it last night, so I was watching various scenes on YouTube and I didn't laugh once. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> oh, uh, Rab- Rabbi Tuckman's quite funny as a name. <laughs> no? Nope. Okay. No. And no. There's, there's a sneeze and a chew. So you've got the biotapestry at the start, as you said. That is, I guess, that telling us this is history. Mm, this is an historical, <laughs> yep. factual drama. Um, and then you've got the words, 800 years ago, Richard the Lionheart, King of England, led the third great crusade to reclaim the Holy Land from the Turks. It's quite boring getting into the history that this film gets wrong because there is... <laughs> there is <laughs> so strap in, guys. There is so much. Because I've just finished a podcast on the Third Crusade. <laughs> yeah, I told these guys that's what I've just listened to. Um, but the Turks had left... Oh, are you really going to do it? <laughs> yeah, they'd left a century earlier, so it just from the word go, it's wrong. That's okay. all I was going to say. We won't okay. get into... Actually, I've got a couple more. <laughs> Bollocks and Tosspot. Early for those words. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Susie Bollock, Dent in the corner. That's Bollock, good. Bollocks was the 18th century and Tosspot was 16th century. Okay. I do love the use of Tosspot, though. <laughs> yeah, I, no, it's I, quite good. I had a giggle when little John went, if you Tosspots want to cross this river, I was like, Tosspot? Man, I miss that. Yeah, you don't that hear it. That should be brought back. Telescope wasn't invented till 1608. Another good gag, though. Another good <laughs> gag where he's waving the sword at them with the telescope. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, Father Ted stole that with the cows in the distance and he can't tell the difference. No. So we kick off in Jerusalem, 1194 AD. Robin's been imprisoned for five years. He escapes. They talk, he says this is English courage in an American accent. Yeah, which got a laugh in a lot of cinemas mm. around the UK when people first heard it. <laughs> what? <laughs> And, yeah, him and Aziz team up for the first time to escape. Azim. 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 Yeah. They don't really Sorry. team up, though, do they? He's like, oh, I'll come with you. And he's like, no, you don't really. And he's like, no, no, I'll, I insist. It's like, you know when you bump into someone on the commute that you know, and it's like, oh, now we've got to travel in together. <laughs> oh, no. He was looking forward to a bit of peace. On it, I relieve you of this obligation to sit next <laughs> yeah. to me on the tube. It's a tall one. You no, just no, no. stare out the window for it's a bit. It's my duty <laughs> yeah. to sit next to you. He doesn't get the message. He gets told to fuck off constantly. And he's like, no, no. It's all right, it's all right, we'll travel in. When they arrive at Dover, do Robin's men try to kill Aziz? They're not Robin's men. I think they're just people who've crossed the channel. I think they're French merchants, which is hence the garlic joke that Mm -hmm. they've said will transport you to the UK. I don't think they're Robin's men in any way. All right, but Robin says, I'm, I, I, you understand I had to when, when they... He said I had to try, but I, I think he's paid them with what? I don't know. Um, to bundle Azim back onto the boat and take him back to France. Oh. But you see what I mean? This is quite a vague scene in terms of what's happening. I remember that line. I was like... Uh, some, <laughs> so they're not trying to kill him. They're trying to just take him back onto the boat. I think so. Okay. okay. It needs an additional line. Yeah. <laughs> It does. The one thing I noticed that I hadn't noticed previously is the bit with Brian Blessed when he's in his castle and he's writing the letter and he's talking about my son and we left on bad words and then he looks up and I never <laughs> Me noticed neither. that painting, painting of Kevin Costner so on the shit. wall where he looks like a ghost. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's so funny. We'll get a still of that and stick it on our Twitter because that's amazing. I never noticed that before oh, either. That's from a Mel Brooks film. Yeah. It looks like, you know those statues that people try and like recondition in that Spanish church and they just blanked out his whole face, just painted it white, put big red lips on it. <laughs> but you introduce Brian Blessed and then you kill him. That's mm. a huge mistake in any movie. Yeah. Brian Blessed's the kind of actor that you go, I want to see more of him. And he doesn't even... I try to find a really good Brian Blessed line that he delivers at the start in his Brian Blessed style. And he doesn't even... He's got that line. He goes, you... To Alan Rickman, that's eh, all right. <laughs> and then he goes, for England and the king. There's no Gordons alive in there. I no. think, no, he, he says, God and King Richard, die! Okay. That's almost a bit, that's almost a bit Flash Gordon. Um, yeah. quick, quick question. So he comes out of his castle and there's a ring of Sheriff of Nottingham soldiers. No, and it's they, the KKK. It looks exactly <laughs> like the KKK. Uh, yeah. Uncomfortable. Why I heard eyes he wide not? shut, so, but yeah. <laughs> Why does he not go, oh, uh, no, thank you, mm. and just go back inside? Because he just stands and he's like, oh, sorry, I'll fight to my death. But he could just shut the door, could he not? I guess so. He lives in a castle and castles are fortified. He's Brian bloody blessed. He can take them out. Oh, he thought well, he could. I evidently suppose. not. <laughs> yeah. All right, that makes sense. But he does. I mean, when they finally find his body jumping forward, I forgot that bit. Talking about oh, yeah, that's the darkness. Yeah. Like, I paused it on his face in that cage. It's horrific. They've, like, the crows have pecked all the skin off his face. It's mm. just like a sort of a white skull left. It's pretty dark. Some of the worst stuff got cut out of this for the cinema release in the UK. It got a PG in the UK. So... Uh, this is jumping way ahead, mm-hmm. but I had never seen 
the Christian Slater line, yeah. which is his best line in the yeah. whole thing, mm. where he goes, fuck me, they cleared yeah. it. It's, I've yeah. never seen that before. I've seen this it's, film thousands it's of times. It's Blimey in the version that you saw. Okay. It was changed to Blimey. And he apparently improvised that line, which is possibly why it's his best line in the whole thing. <laughs> James Thurman, the head of the BBFC at the time, who was a right conservative with a little C when it came to film classification, he said when he retired that his biggest regret was giving Robin Hood a PG. As in it should have been higher? Should have been a 15. Well, interestingly, now it's rated 12. It's rated 12 now. They've actually increased, rather than, whereas loads of other films, it's become more lenient. With Robin Hood, it's um, actually, they've upgraded it. And they've put in the fuck, Fuck, and they've put in some scenes at the end as well of uncomfortable stuff with Alan Rickman that we'll get to. Mm. But yeah, uh, Robin's arrived in Dover, and then he makes this trip to his castle we, 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 we buzz past that yeah have we thought about that trip geographically where he's like i'm home and he's like no you're not you're sort of in scotland yeah but also you've been walking for i mean you haven't stopped to Ten eat minutes. or anything he's like i'm five miles from home you're like what yeah. he says it will take them until nightfall to get there if they'd had a car it would have taken them five hours <laughs> And they go via Hadrian's Wall, which is a diversion of 300 miles. <laughs> and at this time, we're talking a bit more about, Azim says he has to pretend to be Robin's slave in public. Right. Because people don't believe that. Interestingly, I can talk about this now. I went on the set of the Kingsman prequel. That's exactly the relationship that Ray Fiennes and Jimon Honsu have in okay. that film, where they, they fight side by side in the Boer War. But when they get home, Jimon has to pretend to be his servant rather than his equal, which he is when the doors are shut and they're at home. Okay. A look ahead to an upcoming release. <laughs> um, yeah, the bit where he gets home and he meets Duncan, he goes, they took my eyes, sir. They took my eyes. Again, pretty grim. I remember that being pretty awful. Like a man like with his eyes all scratched out. Yeah, but this when I watched it when I was 10, I was like, that's fine. And when I watched it last night, I was like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, there are certain moments where you go, yeah. how was I so okay with that as a kid? I was fine with it. It didn't bother me at all. I blame reading 2000 AD because I shouldn't have read 2000 AD. That was a dark <laughs> comic and that prepared me for anything like this, I was like, oh, it's not as bad as what Judge Dredd does. <laughs> so after they go to the castle, they meet Marion. And I just want to go back to what Vicky mm. said at the start, because her introduction is great, where she comes out and she has that real fight with Robin Hood. And it's so good that you forget that she looks like she's just stepped out of a Berlin sex club. <laughs> <laughs> because what is she wearing? I haven't seen that much leather on a character since Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. <laughs> I mean, literally, she is dressed as the gimp from <laughs> Pulp Fiction. But honestly, I, why would you wear that much leather? And did she know he was coming round and put it on? Like, was she wearing it already? Because that's worrying. <laughs> she is very well lit in this film, though. She's that's, beautifully lit. You yeah. noticed the SNM, I noticed the lighting. Oh, OK, yeah, I'm the villain here. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's, for want of a better word, castrated over the course of this film. There is better words. Yeah, (laughs) what is a better word? Um, They rob her of her... She's diminished. Yeah, but what an opportunity to have a badass Marion. Have either of you watched the half-hour documentary on YouTube, Robin Hood, The Man, The Myth, The Movie? I don't watch documentaries on YouTube. <laughs> okay. I've got a 30-second clip from it, but I'm going to stop it halfway through. Um, see if you can guess who is presenting this. Listen, hearken, gentlemen, that be of free-born blood. I shall tell you of a good yeoman. His name was Robin Hood. Any idea who that is? Is it you? No. <laughs> is it Rob Brydon? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good guess. Um, no, he's about to do his best Troy McClure, though. Good evening. I'm Pierce Brosman. He is a legend that goes by many names. The Earl of Huntington, Robin of Loxley, Robert Fitzsooth and Robert Hood. But to centuries of storytellers, he is simply Robin Hood. It's so tropical. And he's wearing the only time I've ever in my life seen Pierce Brosnan wear glasses to look more intelligent because he's like the historian in this. It, do you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of that fantastic story about the movie The Greatest Story Ever Told, where John Wayne at the end plays the centurion who sees Jesus Christ on the cross. And his line is, surely this man was the son of God. And the director went, it's good, John, but can you give it more awe? And he goes, of course. Or this man surely was the son of God. You're going to make my dad really happy because he he tells that story. story. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's an amazing documentary. 
I think this is, he's talking about why um, Kevin Costner is a rebel like Robin Hood, but I think this is a hell of a non sequitur. He bucked the Hollywood system, didn't he? Fearless in battle and made dances with wolves. A film given uh, not much chance of succeeding at the box office. Well, <laughs> seven Oscars later, Kevin is still a family man. <laughs> what does that mean? That's amazing. I've never heard Pierce Brosnan use that voice no. ever. Seven <laughs> Oscars later. And he's still a family man. <laughs> More from him later. Oh, right, where were we in the film? We please. are kind of going through it chronologically, but you there's know, a lot to say. We haven't. I mean, at this stage, I think it's worth mentioning uh, Alan Rickman. No oh one's mentioned God, yes. Alan Rickman. And he is the best thing in the film. So he turned down the role twice and the only reason he accepted it in the end was he was allowed to interpret the Sheriff of Nottingham exactly how he wanted to and thank God he did. So I didn't I didn't take any uh, audio of him, which I could have done from the film, because I felt like Alex might have an impression in him for Rickman. <laughs> have we got one out? We haven't, actually, no. <laughs> it's, no. I, I can't do Alan Rickman, and I have tried, believe me. I spent a long time not watching this film and just going, I'm going to remove his heart with a spoon. See, can't do it. That was rubbish. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, he is pantomime sheriff, isn't he? He's in a different film. He's having a lot more fun. He's part of the reason this film was a hit, I think, that you went back to what you, you watched it the first time for Kevin Costner, but you went back for Alan Rickman. That's true. Yeah. Well, I love the quote Mary Elizabeth Manstrantonio, uh, who obviously took over from Robin Wright at the 11th hour, four days before shooting, she replaced Robin Wright as Maid Marian because Robin Wright found out she was pregnant. And she says of this movie, it felt like different films, different attitudes. I'd have much rather been in Alan Rickman's film. <laughs> I wanted to do what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. And do you want to hear what Alan Rickman had to say about the role? Yes. I, I'm not playing a villain. I'm just playing somebody who has a certain checklist of things that he wants in life, and he goes after them. And other people say, like Robin Hood decides, that's appalling and it must be stopped. <laughs> I love Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, but when you interview people who play the villains, actors who play the villains in movies, and they go, I don't see my role as the villain, you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Haven't they mentally, though, got to play them as the hero in their own story? I guess so, yeah. I guess so. There is that line but where it's a bit he of a goes, cliche. He goes, he steals from me, making me hurt the poor, <laughs> and yet they love him? <laughs> Still can't do Rickman. <laughs> no. Cancel kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. <laughs> okay. No more merciful beheadings and obviously cancel Christmas. Oh. That was the line that sort of became, was in all the trailers. The first moment we meet him, I really think it sort of sets up how weird he's going to play the role perfectly because Guy of Gisborne's been attacked by Robin Hood and his men have been killed and he barges in to that room and Alan Rickman, there's a girl in front of him and her dress is unhooked and he's looming behind her. But it's never been clear to me, even now re-watching it, exactly what he's doing. Is he licking her shoulder? Because <laughs> I don't know what, what he's um, doing. That's really Do you have a problem with... That. Should we just say yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think... I do you have a problem with was... shoulders like feet? No. OK. That's no. all that was happening there. He's just got a thing for shoulders. <laughs> it kind of fits with how weird his character is. Yeah. But it I was... honestly think when he's, like, inviting, like, you, my room, 10.30, you, 10.45, <laughs> bring a friend, it's like, I'm, I'm going to get my shoulder licking on. That's such a good line. Do you think that was... Was that written as is, or...? I mean, I read somewhere that he brought Ruby Wax in to write... Oh, okay. One-liners for him. I don't know if that's true. That was the same place I read that Russ Abbott might have played Little John. I mean, <laughs> really? It, it backs up my theory that it was written by an American because a British person would not have had the confidence to call a major character Fanny. So mm. <laughs> that just wouldn't have happened. I know. Do you know how <laughs> awful I felt laughing? <laughs> I, I was laughing my head off. I was like, Fanny! 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 <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. It's brilliant. But also, when we when we first meet the Sheriff of Nottingham, that girl clearly is there against her will. She doesn't want to be there from the look on her face. Mm. And that's kind of this weird undercurrent throughout the film that sure. it's, it's, it's quite rapey for a family film, <laughs> isn't it? It's, yeah. And it sounds like you might have... Have you watched the extended version? I don't know which version I watched. I just remember it being very, very long. How can there be long. a version that's any longer? No, there is. There is one that's much longer. It's 148 been... minutes, the extended version. Because but apparently it's not as good because there's more Rickman in and there's a whole backstory about how Mortiana is his mother. Yeah, exactly. And that's not in this, what, the version that was released, which is a weird thing to leave out. 
Because this is her plan. They say he, he was raised by a witch. That gets said. But it doesn't say he was. she's his biological mother. Oh, okay. And in the extended version, they go into that. Because this plan is hers. Because it's weird why the sheriff would want this plan. She wants her grandchild to be a royal heir. Yeah. And so that's why the sheriff of Nottingham's doing it. He's not really going to get anything out of all this. He's doing his mother's bidding, but we don't know he's his mother. Well, he's going to get to sit on the throne eventually, isn't he? Oh, his, he'll be... His child will. Well, exactly, but then he'll be, you know, in the royal court. Yeah, king's daddy. It's yeah. not bad, is it? It's all right. Um, Richard the Lionheart didn't have any cousins on the English side. <laughs> fun fact. Oh. <laughs> is not it really. Fun um, all right, if we're, now you found that uh, you found that um, documentary about Pierce Brosnan. Uh, not about Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> <laughs> although I'm sh- it sounds like he's making it about Pierce Brosnan <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but uh, just to show you the difference of the way we approach research on uh, these shows, uh, what I found uh, was a character who I was looking at. I saw one of the Merry Men. And I went, I recognise one of those Merry Men from another Robin Hood. Yeah, I know what you mean, I And think. the guy in this version is Hal, and he's played by Howard Lou Lewis, who also played a Merry Man called Rabies in Maid Marian <laughs> and her Merry Men. Yeah. Wow. That is my connection. So let's enjoy this. A great TV show. It was brilliant. Written and created by Tony Robinson. It had shades of Blackadder and Monty Python. It was so, so good. Yeah, why did we do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't talked about The Merry Men. Well, I think after that, there's no need. That's really covered everything to do with The Merry Men. Can we say merry people just, <laughs> just while we're here? Because there there's other people there. They're not all just men, are they? So The Merry Men. <laughs> um, little John. I like him. He calls him my cocker, which I like. Um, I like the fact he gives his kid mead to drink in a tree. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be underage drinking, probably don't do it in a tree anyway. (laughs) He he drinks, he laughs, he carouses. He's my kind of little John. Yep. Um, Although Brian Blessed, I felt, could have played that role, but this guy's really good. Mm, Nick Um, Brimble. There's another guy who's in a lot of things. The guy who plays the head of the Scottish Warriors that the sheriff hires him, their leader plays General Kale, the guy in the skull mask from 1988's Willow. What are your feelings on Christian Slater as Will Scarlet? Oh, I don't know. Um, he, at the time, when I was 10, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> but, but last night, uh, not so much. He's a bit whiny, isn't he? Well, he does repeat the same line over and over again. It's the prettiest he's ever looked in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he does look good. He looks very pretty. He's well lit. He's got great hair for um, <laughs> someone who lives in the lives forest. In the woods, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, that's all right because they've got a big bath that everyone can presumably jump in whenever they like, which is when you see Robin Hood's bum. Yeah, because <laughs> that's when that's when she goes, "Oh, you could have said." She's really good in that. Which, um, but Maid Marian at that point, it's like she's so overcome <laughs> with like, pure desire that like, she <laughs> cannot breathe. <laughs> And it's just his bum. I mean, obviously was, there wasn't much going on. Also, he, he's been in prison for five years. Mm. Why has he got a tan line? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. And was he contractually obliged to get his bum out at this point? I think he probably insisted. Yeah, no, because I think he'd just done it in Dance with Wolves. It'd become quite a big thing, yeah, costing his bum. Yeah, like, it was a sort of foreigner to Vigo Mortensen's bum. Because... <laughs> Viggo Mortensen's bum became a thing. Just like Kevin Bacon would get little Kevin out a lot in films. Kevin's got his bacon out again. There's a scene in Wild Things where he just walks out of a shower naked and you're like, unnecessary. I liked it, though. Um, I liked it. I I found I could breathe, but I still thought it was good. And did you like the the twist of making Will Scarlet Robin Hood's brother? I did. That was the line I quoted at the end of the show last week. Do you want to do it again? I have a brother. (laughs) I remember being being quite overcome by that. I was like, that's nice. (laughs) And it gave Will a reason for being a right moany twat for (laughs) the previous hour and 50 minutes. He gets 10 minutes at the end where he's not annoying. (laughs) 
the merry men and their plus ones do, <laughs> do look like fun, though. It you are d- playing with fire. <laughs> it's on you, my friend. I've tried to help you. Uh, they do look, look like they're having a fantastic time, though. I felt like I'd want to hang out with them in the forest. I'd like to live in that village. Of course, because yeah. yeah. it's, it's the Ewok village yeah. from Endor, <laughs> which is the fun part of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I said it. The Ewoks are great. My problem is that they have the worst warning system in the world because they've got a guy, a lookout, who fires an arrow down and it's the warning arrow and it's a silent alarm to let everyone know that someone's approaching without letting the intruder know and so he fires the arrow and it goes in the ground and then someone at the top of their voice goes, it's the bloody warning arrow! (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, no, this is surely that's a silent warning. (laughs) I think they've spent a fair amount of money on that forest village though because... According to an article in The Guardian, in the film they say we reckon he's nicked three to four million in the last five months. Yeah. They've worked out what that would be the equivalent to today. It's about mm-hmm. four billion pounds. 250 billion. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it threw me so like, there's 500 gold pieces on your head. And it's like, okay, that's that's a sensible sounding sum for the time. Oh, it's four million pounds. It is. It's Dr. Evil. 100 billion dollars. <laughs> and then there's an attack on the Merry Village, which I think is really well staged. Mm. I think that's maybe the best action sequence in the film. It is good. Apart from when the Celts get the arrows of fire, they're like, my God, it's fire. And it's like, you should have thought of that before you built your houses <laughs> entirely out of wood. There weren't really a lot of other no, materials. Know, they do have a bit where they've got like a, a rudimentary water wheel. So I thought that'd be like, oh, guys, just in case this sets on fire, we've got some water. Yeah. And they live near a lake. They do. Yeah. Oh, of course, the lake scene. Yeah. The reason this movie is inseparable from the Brian Adams song is because frequently someone goes, I won't do it for anything else. (laughs) I'll do it for you. Yeah. Would you do it for your king? No, but I'll do it for you. And you're like, and you can hear it in the background. Yeah, it's in the music, isn't it? And I think Azeem asks Robin if she's worth dying for. Not only is that a callback to something he said, it's in the bloody song. Neat. We've yeah. not mentioned Brian Adams. No, we I haven't. I don't feel like I, I want to. <laughs> it's oh, come on. You, uh, listen, we can't do this without just reminding ourselves of this of this thing that happened. Sixteen weeks at the UK number one, still unbroken. I thought something had broken that record, but it is wet, wet, still... wet. Came close with lovers all around, but I'm not sure they defeated it. They did not. I no. thought they asked to. For it yeah, to they stop. had it taken out of circulation, yeah, didn't they? Because it was going to, and then he. Just they got said sick of it. They yeah. said we're sick of it. Yeah, yeah. good on good on Marty Pello. Um, but it didn't win the best uh, the Oscar for best song. Did it not? No. What no. did? Care to hazard a guess from 1991? Uh, something from Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Just, just that bit of the song. Yeah. Okay, we've got a performance from another of our best song nominees here taking the stage at Oscar. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, it lost to Beauty and the Beast. Um, but it did win one award. Kevin Costner defeated Vanilla Ice to worst actor at the Razzies. Yeah. Which I find appalling. Yes. I don't think he's that bad in this. Alan Rickman won the BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor for the film, though, so that's all right. Deservedly so. Absolutely. If they uh, gave out BAFTAs for Panto. Ooh. Meow. The other good thing, though, the score of the film itself is fantastic. It's by a guy mm. called Michael Carmen, who'd done loads of action. It feels like a really good action movie score. He'd done Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Highlander, X-Men, and he also did 1993's Three Musketeers, starring Tim Curry Yay! as Cardinal Richelieu. We should do Three Musketeers, because I love that film. Four mentions of Tim Curry <laughs> in a month on the show. Text him now, tell him you've done it. <laughs> uh, do you know who else they wanted for the role of Will Scarlet? No. Johnny Depp. Oh, really? Yeah, Johnny Depp was earmarked for that. I guess they were interchangeable at the yeah, time, Yeah, they looked very similar. Yeah. Do you want my last clip from that documentary? Oh, go on. It's... I think you're going to like this one. It's Pierce again. Also, at that time... A full-grown cow would have been the same size as a Great Dane. (coughs) Well, even though some of these uh, cows were only going to be in the background of a few of the shots, the filmmakers searched for weeks for, well, short cows. Short cows. Short cows. What are you talking about, Piers? I obviously haven't seen the documentary. Please tell me while he's giving that he's also the one playing the fiddle. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's walking around a is stately he home. Through a field with little cows. No, he's walking him. around a stately home <laughs> and smirking the whole time. He's got this really annoying smirk. So, anyway. Pierce, the script is sort of still a work in progress. I love it. I'm going to read it as is. Well, no, we've, we're going to have someone go over it, remove us the stuff about short cows. I want to do the short cows. <laughs> Did, did any of you focus. notice that there were short cows in the film? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Attention I had to, to have detail. Several tea and toast breaks though, because it was so fucking long <laughs> that I got really hungry. Well, we're getting near to the end of the film. Um, we have to mention the arrow shots, the famous oh, I arrow know. shot, They're brilliant. where it's shot from the point of view of the arrow, and you really feel like you're the arrow in that moment. <laughs> but genuinely, that was like at the time that was what bullet time was in 1999 for the Matrix when mm. you were like. I've never seen anything like it. That moment, the arrow, you follow the yeah, arrow. It was the money shot in the trailer. Mm. I get quite emotional about amazingly shot action. And I wasn't expecting to have one of those moments in this, but the slow motion shot where there's a big fire behind him and he fires the flaming arrow. And I was like, I honestly went, <laughs> yeah, I did. that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. The finale, the fight's a little bit underwhelming, I think, between Robin and the sheriff. It looks like they haven't been taught how to fight. It's fine. His death's very as over the top as you'd expect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he crawls over to <laughs> he the window. Makes a of it. <laughs> Fry Tuck kills someone in quite a horrible way. Oh, oh yeah. Gives them a 30 piece of silver and chucks them out of a window. Yeah. yeah. But that Good. priest has it coming. Yeah. Sure. And then we've got the sort of finale finale where someone shows up unexpectedly in cinemas. No one knew who was gonna who that was going to be. I actually think they did. I remember hearing about it, and this predates the internet, but there were rumours. I think there were photos in the press that Sean Connery was going to be turning up. He's great. But I remember it did feel like a king entering the film. I remember in the cinema feeling like bowing down. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got that presence. <laughs> Do you know who plays that role in, the, in Robin Hood Men in Tights? Go on. Patrick Stewart. <sighs> oh, quite good. it really is. Quite good. <laughs> Do you know a couple of other people who were considered for Alan Rickman's role? Sam Neill, no thanks, uh, but Richard E. Grant. Not that I don't like Sam Neill. Poor Sam Neill. <laughs> no, I love Sam Neill, but I wouldn't have wanted him to play that role. No, Whereas Richard enough. E. Grant, I he think... He would have been good. He would have been good. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm thinking that because I want someone to just do what Rickman's doing and Richard yeah. E. Grant could probably do He's that. the next in line. Yeah. Do you think someone else could have played Robin Hood better at that time? Um... <laughs> and if so, who, who would you have cast in 91? Wasn't Mel Gibson up for it for Mel a while? Mel Gibson was apparently, yeah. I mean, he would have been good. Yeah. He would have been good, much as I don't like Mel Gibson. He would have been a great Robin. Because my issue is, I feel like Robin Hood, it needs to be someone that you'd, you'd go over the top with. All he does to convince me is like he skips about on a log and he's like, join me, and then I'll hop off a log. And also he's going, I'm going to need all of you. We're going to have to do this together. Apart from you, Will Scott, because I just put an arrow through your hand, <laughs> oh, yeah. so you're going to be less useful in the fight <laughs> yeah. at the end. Even though you're one of the youngest people yeah. here and you might be quite good at it. Can you pick up a sword? No, of course you can't. <laughs> Sorry. My fault. The two I wrote down were Sean Bean. I don't know where he was in his career in 91, but I think he would be a believable Robin Hood. Mm. And this is a bit of a cheat because uh, two years before he'd played Henry V, but Kenneth Branagh. They should have given it to Rick Mayle. <laughs> that would have been good. It would. A bit of trivia. Do you know much about the toys that Kenner made for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? No, but the look in your eyes, a gleam that I haven't seen for a long time. <laughs> they Not did... since you were about to play something about short cows. <laughs> <laughs> they decided they didn't want to spend too much money on these toys, so they used the moulds from Star Wars that they had. <laughs> the Sherwood Forest playset is actually the 1983 Ewok playset. That makes sense. Uh, the Ewok battle wagon became the Robin Hood battle wagon. <laughs> And uh, the Green Gamorrean Guard became Friar Tuck. <laughs> Poor old Friar Tuck. The Green Gamorrean Guard are the ones at Jabba's Palace, yes. right? Yeah, OK. They just repainted him and wow. fiddled about with it. Hi, Mike McShane here, Kenneth. Uh, <laughs> got a problem. Any more for, Any more on this one, or should we go no. to our final... Uh... Just that before they went on to make Waterworld together, Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds actually did fall out at the end of this movie, and Kevin Reynolds didn't get to edit the version he wanted. And then still signed on for Waterworld. And then they had their big falling out, at which point Kevin Reynolds gave the wonderful quote, Kevin Costner should only star in movies he directs. That way he can work with his favourite actor and director. They're friends now. It's all water under the bridge. Yeah, they made... Water they, under the world. They made Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah, recently, yeah. Hmm. Which he was nominated for an Emmy for. So what was your best scene? Alex, you were keen to say that earlier, so jump in. My best scene is where... Maid Marion 
has found out that she's got no option but to marry the Sheriff of Nottingham. And she runs down the corridor going, <laughs> no, no. And there's an owl just perched in the corridor for no reason that totally ignores her. Like, it looks at the wall as if to say, oh, I am not getting involved I'm in not that. I'm not here about your problem. Jesus Christ, this is my corridor. <laughs> I perch here. I'm looking at this wall. It doesn't even turn and acknowledge the fact she's run down the corridor. <laughs> Best scene in the film with the owl. My best scene is when they storm the castle with the the arrow on fire and the hay bales when they are catapulted over the castle. And I thought I'd been to that castle on a school trip to France. We were told that we were being taken to the Robin Hood castle, right? So we all went and we were like, oh, wow, it looks just like the film. It's amazing. And then I saw that scene again last night. I was like, I wonder where that castle is. And it's in Carcassonne and I haven't been to Carcassonne, definitely. So I've either been lied to by teachers. They're like, yeah, yeah, castle. It's in Robin Hood, so come along. Or or maybe all castles just look the same, so we just didn't notice. But I, until last night, I would have told you, hands down, swear blind, I'd been to that castle and I haven't. Do you want to go to the castle? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. I mean, you can just say, can we go to the castle? We can haven't, we go to Carcassonne? We haven't done a work day out. No, I mean, it's quite far away. Oh, okay. Do you know where it is? Carcassonne? Mm-hmm. Russia. <laughs> I'm going to be a bit more succinct than Vicky there. I'm, I just wrote down Arrow Vision. Oh, yep. that's nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, NBC most valuable character, Alex? Um, it's the scribe who works for oh, so Alan good. Rickman who like goes, It's the poor sire. He gives them what he takes. Well, sire, they love him. <laughs> I just love that guy. Because he sounds just like the guy Mary Poppins, super califragilistic, expelled. She goes, One night I said it to my girl and now my girl's my wife. Oh, what a lovely thing she is too. <laughs> That's why I like him. Good. We got an impression out of him eventually, that didn't was we? Really, honestly, that was really good. I'm not taking the piss. That was yeah, really that was good. Great. He's good. my MVP. Vicky? Uh, just Alan Rickman. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. All right. I'm going to Sheriff of Nottingham as well. Sorry if that's boring. Alex, is there anything you would change in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I've never seen what an umbilical cord looks like. <laughs> and the thing that they've stuck on that baby to look like an umbilical cord looks to me more like an alien worm. Do they look like that? They absolutely 100% do. So there's an accurate representation. Yep. Okay, I shouldn't pick that. <laughs> I'm still picking that. <laughs> Anything you would change, Vicky? Uh, maybe she shouldn't have to give birth to a six-month-old baby. <laughs> <laughs> Toddler. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't little John put it down and it runs off into the woods? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say that Maid Marion should be more of a badass. Do you know, sometimes I'm just tired of fighting the fight and I just can't, I can't be on so it all Because I was, I was not going to say that. My other one was I wouldn't have killed off Brian Blessed. But no, Maid Marion should have killed the sheriff of Nottingham at She the should end. have done something. All she does is pour a bit of wax on his chest. He's like, oh my God, <laughs> that doesn't hurt that much, I don't think. So we end Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This week, I was given 2018's Robin Hood, presumably because Vicky hates me. <laughs> Fitting, though, for a movie about a thief, this steals liberally from Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, V for Vendetta, The Italian Job Remake, Prince of Thieves, and, most bewilderingly of all, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. That last one proving that this Robin Hood also steals from the very, very poor. <laughs> one thing keeps the sheriff in power, the money. I want to hit the treasury itself. Rob! How did you know it was me? You called that a disguise? Well, fool everybody else! This is suicide. The is what makes it fun. I want to start with a, a tweet we got from uh, Neil <laughs> on Twitter, at ClashPod. He says, Thanks for making me lose two hours of my life <laughs> on the utter garbage of Robin Hood 2018. <laughs> In our defence, Neil, as we've already mentioned, we hadn't seen it. <laughs> we didn't. No, sure. We'd heard stories. <laughs> Everyone had heard stories. The legend, the myth. <laughs> we couldn't know what we were sending you into. How could we? There is no blood on our hands, Neil. Should we have done Men in Tights instead? Yes! <laughs> Hindsight, Neil, is 2020. What a movie, huh? And if you're already subscribed to Netflix, it didn't cost you extra money. <laughs> right. I got a message from you while you were watching the start of this saying, I'm 10 minutes in and it's all right. Yeah. And I don't know whether that informed my first 10 minutes of it, but I was watching the first 10 minutes going, this is all right, you know. Yeah. yeah. It starts similarly to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves during the Crusades. It's shot like Paul Greengrass on an OK day, mm -hmm. but you're really in the action. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's a new approach, isn't it, to Robin Hood? Yep. It feels less like you're watching... Uh, period film and more like you're watching The Hurt Locker. Mm -hmm. I mean, th that is something that we should talk about. It's kind of like we're throwing history out of the window with this because they've got like... Well, they say that. They literally say, forget history. Yeah. I could bore you with the history, but you wouldn't listen. They refuse to tie it into an exact time period. Mm. I don't know. They feel like they want to have their cake and eat it here. Yeah. I'm a big fan of their mini guns that are just crossbows but literally you fire them and they take chunks out of masonry and then they call in in no uncertain terms an airstrike mm. I, I bet it took them all a hell of a long time to stop touching their ears and go bring the rain because they have catapults but it's an airstrike for want of a better description and it's good. And I was on board at that well, point. Well, it's interesting to put modern warfare in a, in a period setting yeah. and fill the film with weapons of medium destruction. <laughs> weapons of medium destruction. <laughs> no. But I think that's where the costume design is very specific. They got that completely right because they're bringing the historical alive because the costumes, they're not modern combat gear, but yeah. they're not what you think someone would be wearing in the Crusades. Agreed. So you, you are experiencing history in a way that feels quite unique yes however <laughs> that trick is not repeated once they get back to england yeah mm. the, costume, the novelty wears off yeah does the it costumes not? just well, go bonkers i can only assume that they didn't know they were going to make a matrix sequel at this point and so we're <laughs> selling off the wardrobe at cut price <laughs> yeah. because that's what everyone looks like yes and no i feel like some of the costumes i wrote down at one point next at one point burton at one point zara and at <laughs> one point top man He's wearing a snood at one point. Like, there's a lot There's a lot of stuff going on from the high street, I Jamie think. Jamie Foxx somehow... <laughs> it's a very similar role to Morgan Freeman playing. Bizarrely so, isn't it? Yeah, which is strange because the director said we didn't look at any other Robin Hood movies to be inspired mm. by this. And you're That's like, just a lie. Not calling you a liar. <laughs> someone did. Trust me, someone on that team did. <laughs> but between getting off the boat where he's hidden in the hold and catching up, to Rob, as he's called in this, which is ever so infuriating. Oh, but I did a bit of research. Back in the day, Robin Hood would have been called Rob. Oh, mm -hmm. I take that back. It's okay. The authenticity of this movie is astounding. There you go. <laughs> so the plot is that Robin comes home. Uh, we get a little bit of the start where him and Marion are in love which is already shows you the level of script we're working at because mm. she's trying to steal his horse <laughs> and she's in disguise and the only things on show are her eyes and her cleavage and, and his line <laughs> is, you are completely beautiful. <laughs> which is quite so 
sweet. But then he's like, what's your name? And she won't tell him. And then she's like, Marion, you can call me Marion. It's like, was it not your fucking name then? Like, what do you mean? You can call me Marion. What's your name? This movie is actually much better viewed as a dystopian future yeah. than a period piece. It looks piece. like the Hunger Games at some point. Like it does. Using the, it does. the ball and the church. The big church in the middle of Nottingham yeah. looks like the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. But it also chickens out of some things Tim Minchin tells Robin Hood that Marion's been conscripted to the mines. Tim Minchin plays Fry Tuck. Mm, he, he plays does. Fry Tuck. Um, and so Robin Hood is like, well, I'll go and find her. And you think, oh, like, obviously working in the mines is very hard labour and she's going to look knackered and whatever. But she's just doing the catering, so she's fine. <laughs> Like, she's just handing out cups of tea. <laughs> and she looks exactly as gorgeous as she did five years ago. <laughs> I had a real problem with the mines. And um, just while we're talking about... And there were some things I liked about it. I'm not just going to be awful about it. But it's just, just the script. Like, just try for all the millions of pounds you may have been paid for the script. Just try a bit harder. So there's a line that Marion says to Robin Hood. And she's they're sort of almost getting back together. And she says... There's this thing in the mines called the fire dam and it sets the air on fire and you're like that. You can't say there's a thing. Just, <laughs> there's what? There's a machine. There's a person. There's a legend. There's a gap. There's a... Oh, I don't know. You can't say there's a thing. So Marion and Robin were in love and then two years previous she's been told he's been... He's gone. He's she been thinks killed. he's dead, yeah. yeah. And she's moved on. Mm, to do you, do you Christian think, Grey. Do you, think two year, do you think two years is long enough? Do you think she should have waited longer? This feels like a loaded question. No, I want to get your oh, I want okay. to get what your opinion on. Um, I think if she's been told he's dead. Yeah. And also, have you seen Jamie Dorn? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, he's nice, isn't he? Yeah. Even with that beard, you'd be like, okay. you know. I mean, yes. Will an opportunity <laughs> come along like this again? I might be this tea girl forever. <laughs> but that's the thing as well. When Jamie Foxx is trying to radicalise Robin Hood to do something, Jamie Foxx says to me, I lost my hand, I lost my lands, I lost my son. And Robin Hood is like, my girlfriend just broke up with me. And it's like, oh, okay. But also, they have a training montage. But five minutes ago, he was a fucking dead shot. Like, he, he doesn't need to be trained <laughs> to do anything. He was the finest soldier they had. Here, look, there's, um, listen, I've got a little clip of Jamie Foxx in this movie, and this is the kind of thing that he says. And if anyone knows what this means, because it's a line that's repeated throughout the film, and I still haven't worked out why. This is Jamie Foxx. We pulled the tail. Now we see who bites. We pulled the tail and now we see who bites. They say that six times yeah. and it makes no sense. No, you're right. I'm with you. They're trying to create um, a mobster film where Robin Hood has to get in at the bottom <laughs> level and somehow ascend the levels. Yeah. So you're pulling the tail to see who's... Because he's like, follow the money. I was like, but the money just goes to the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. So that's... Um, I've, the minute you called it a mobster movie, I forgot we, we, we just glossed over that narration at the start. The Cockney yeah. narration that makes it sound like a Guy Ritchie movie. Tim Minchin, it's, it's Friday. Is, is it really? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like him because he's like, so Robin Hood's this geezer. Yeah. And you he's an Australian know. doing a crap Cockney <laughs> accent. That's what it is. This is a problem, and I know it's. A you really might know story. some legends, but you don't know this don't know unless you. you've seen Prince of Thieves. This is no bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> Because so they basically try and modernise it throughout. So like they take car chasers from I, I guess a gangster movie and they do them with horse and carts in here. Now in loads of car chasers, you'll see the vehicle, the car in question, smash through wooden doors, and they just transplant that. But with horses, a horse cannot smash <laughs> through a solid oak door without knocking itself out. And they just do it. Alex, yes. they think you can push fire up a street. <laughs> none, of it, none of it makes any sense. Can you move fire with shields? <laughs> but that was cool. I mean, it I didn't cool. care. It's like, that looks awesome. It looked cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of suspension of disbelief required for this film, which is not really Robin Hood. Mm. I get suspension of disbelief when I'm watching Marvel and Star Wars, but Robin Hood should be in a forest. You don't need green screen and CGI. It's, well, that's the most depressing thing, because part of Robin Hood is escapism. You want the countryside, the English countryside, which Prince of Thieves gives you. This gives you this fucking dystopian nightmare. Do it's we ever awful. go to Sherwood Forest? At no, the very you end. Can't because you're in, right, you're in yeah. Dubrovnik. <laughs> so yeah. They shot it in Dubrovnik, But yeah. it changes halfway through. Like, it's sort of like you can see the township of Nottingham and it looks very modern and it's stylish and whatever. And then I was like, oh... That looks a lot like Dubrovnik. That's strange. Oh, wait, no, it just is Dubrovnik and they've just not changed anything. If there is one thing you can accuse this film of being, 
it's very optimistic because it ends going, there's more where this came from. I can't believe they thought there would be a sequel. Well, I was, I was going to get to that. It, it, was, it was literally the shooting title was Robin Hood Origins. Okay. Um, which is a very arrogant thing to do. Mm. That's saying, I mean, Batman Begins, I guess they knew they were onto a good thing, but they, they dropped that, which suggests to me that as they were shooting it, they realised we ain't getting another one of these. <laughs> Let's drop Origins. And you look at Prince of Thieves from 1991, and we were all talking about how cool the Arrow stuff is. Yeah. In that, in this, like, there's a scene where he just sort of does stuff that you don't need arrows for. Like, there's a scene where he puts out some candles with Ugh. arrows. Ugh. We haven't talked about the Sheriff of Nottingham oh, yet. Oh, yes. I mean, he's so good in Animal Kingdom and Bloodline, but I feel like, I mean, literally, I feel like he's wearing the same costume he wore in Rogue One mm. to play the same character. I don't know. I feel really bad, like, saying anything bad about Ben Mendelsohn because I do genuinely think he's a phenomenal actor. I agree. But I just, I think what you have to put it down to is quite simply, there is a ceiling on what a performance can bring to a yeah. script like this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could be that good, but when you've got nothing to work with and really weird moments, like some sort of strange backstory where yeah. he's yeah, a villain because he was abused by the clergy. But he never cried or something. So he's yeah. like, and, which... and, then, and then Robin uses that to sort of taunt him a bit later in the film. And it's like, well, he's, that's not a heroic thing to do, no. to use your child abuse as, against you. No, it doesn't um, tend to be. No. And, and then obviously there's a lot of Trumpisms in it. He's, he's very uh, Trumpy in his speeches. Yeah. Mm. So it's this contemporary political allegory, but I feel like it's really clumsy and heavy-handed. Well, it's not very subtle because he was dressed as a Nazi, so yeah. that's yeah. telegraphed quite early on. Although I did think when he's there in his boots, he's wearing these huge leather Stormtrooper-esque yeah. SS boots and they're pristine and there's not a bit of dirt on them. It reminded me of the line from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where he goes, oh, he's obviously a king. Why is that then? He's not covered in shit like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I started making up funnier moments, like thinking of funnier moments from other films to get through this. There's a bit where they shoot Robin's horse when they're doing the rooftop chase, which is basically the Batmobile on the roofs in Batman Begins, but with horses. Mm -hmm. And they shoot the horse. They shoot it right up the bottom <laughs> with the arrow. It goes right up its bottom. And I suddenly started thinking about the funny Captain Harris gag from Police Academy where his head ends up up a horse's bum. <laughs> Speaking of which, at the end, the sheriff says, my city is under siege. Oh, which one Police is that? Police Academy 6. Correct. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't let me down. I knew you wouldn't let me down. He wins the quiz. He wins the quiz. That's really nice. Um, <laughs> but they kind of half-heartedly try and turn it into a heist movie. Um, there are several heists in the movie, and that really works, I thought, for Ant-Man, where they try to take Marvel in a different direction. But here, the heists just aren't funny or engaging. Like... You want it to, if they're gonna go heist direction, they need to be Ocean's Eleven style things with clever plans and twists and turns. Mm -hmm. I mean, the heist here amounts to Fried Tuck nicking some keys from a bloke at a party. <laughs> I missed a lot of that because he was wearing such a ginormous hat. I was like, there's definitely something hiding <laughs> under his hat. That hat and then is there ridiculous. wasn't. I honestly think he's like, listen, I've, I do a bit in my stand up <laughs> yeah. about ridiculous hats. Can I just wear no it? One. Fuck it, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> we clearly no don't give a shit. No one gives a fuck. He was a. <laughs> He was a crap fryer tuck. He I should have been. He should have been some minstrel traveling around with a piano, singing funny songs or something. Do you know what? That's what he's really good at. I tell you what, he should have been more like. He should have been more like Paul Bettany in A Knight's Tale. Yeah, a film where the anachronism works. Mm. Uh, you know, putting those modern songs and the modern dance and things in that film works. Here, it just doesn't. It feels so because they don't take it far enough. It's like what they should have done to mention that party where she steals the keys or he steals the keys. The awful like non heist heist. Mm. That party. They need to take it further. There should have been like limousine. Carriages arriving oh, outside, as opposed to sort like of just... in Shrek Two, right? <laughs> <laughs> and again, back to the script. Robin Hood gets himself invited to the big table in quote marks. So the cardinal <laughs> and the sheriff allow him into the chamber, and then what he does is he sort of steps to one side and sort of stands by a curtain, and then they're like, "Right, we're just going to like reveal the whole plan now." And Robin Hood will have heard this. It's like. You cannot have in a script a moment where someone overhears something. And even though they're stood in the room, it's still the same rule. Like, you can't do that. You have to think of a way around it. Yeah. It's he, so crap. He, he says to him, um, the cardinal says to the sheriffs, so that you and I can take control back from the king. That's their plan. He doesn't need to tell him what the plan is that no, they've already agreed he upon. He fucking knows the plan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm assuming one of the easiest or at least most enjoyable things to write as a writer is that hero speech. The bit where the hero gets up in front of the crowd and it's the rallying speech. 
can anyone like do any better than this at least? Because this is the speech <laughs> in Robin Hood. He goes, some say I rob from the rich and give to the poor. But if the rich are stealing from you, who's really the thief? Mm. You desperately want someone at that point to go, give me a moment with that one. Um, <laughs> so the rich are stealing from us with the poor. Is it us? <laughs> are we the thief? No, wait, 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 wait. There is no thief. Is that it, Robin? Robin, is that it? Is there no thief? Give us a clue. To go back to this idea that they want a sequel, what Jamie Dornan's character's arc in this... It's unbelievable what yeah. they do to him. It's, like, it's no good. They literally, they Harvey Dent him. But yeah. Again, it just it made me but, furious because it's a thousand times better <laughs> and it's such an easy thing to do, to, to write, that if he stays good and Marion still chooses Robin Hood. He's suddenly does this about turn mm. like, oh, I'm just in it for a political Always. game, which gives her in the script a reason to choose mm. Robin Hood over him. The much more interesting thing to do, and it's so straightforward, is he doesn't do that and she still chooses Robin Hood. So then that sets him on a path of like very deep hurt and all the rest of it, which would explain his turn into this villain at the end. It's bad writing. In terms of the Batman Dark Knight similarities that you've been talking about, I made a list of them actually. Oh, can I do one? Yeah. One is where he dismantles some guy's crossbow in the same way Batman dismantles a gun. That's a good one. I didn't have that one. I didn't know. Obviously him returning from years away to Nottingham slash Gotham and it's become filled with crooks and corruption. John slash Rajar Ghoul um, asking him to fight greed and capitalism back home. Mm. He becomes the hood, which is as much a symbol as a man. Yep. Uh, John slash Alfred tells them to conceal their activities by masquerading as frivolous playboys. Yep. Love is life force for another man, a good man, hell-bent on change. Mm-hmm. Will slash Harvey Dent believes they should fight through political means. But when his love rival mm-hmm. is facially scarred, he turns to the dark side. And the scar is even on the same side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a lot, add, isn't add it? Add that to the horse on the rooftop chase, which is the Batmobile chase <laughs> that yeah. I mentioned earlier. It really is. It's Batman Begins and the Dark Knight mashed up together and set in this mythical Nottingham. I feel like it comes down to, obviously, the script's not too hot, but also it's the direction. Like, I was thinking about how this is similar to Sherlock Holmes, but that is a good director versus a bad director, the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. In the way that the action, I just can't figure out why it just wasn't exciting or invigorating. Maybe it's because this director didn't have too much experience. It's his first movie. I don't know. I think it's, I I, I honestly think it's actually directed, like, very competently. And I think there are moments of the action that are really, really visually great. Mm. Problem is, don't give a fuck about anyone. So that's the age-old thing. Everyone said it at some point. Action with no consequence. It doesn't matter how fucking cool it looks. You just don't care. And that's what it is. Do you know the name of the director? Otto Bathurst. I've watched everything he's done on telly. He's good. In terms of like the tension between a couple mm. and really dark human relationships, it's, re- it's brilliant. And he did the first Black Mirror. Which is terrifying. The pig one. Yeah. yeah. Best scene. I liked it when John slices someone with a bit of bowl he's hidden in his mouth. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. That's such a weird thing to say. Yeah. What's a sentence I said? What about you? <laughs> I like it when any horse bashes through wood with its face. <laughs> Alex. What? Because no, no, they're fine in this. In okay. this in this world, horses basically are equine battering rams, and I respect <laughs> them for that. Because they're too there's too much bloody CG, that's why. <laughs> All right. The Crusades battle, I, I thought it was really good. That is actually I really enjoyed good. that. Yeah. Um your MVC, most valuable character. <sighs> This was tough. I mean, all these were tough this for this one. I went with the Cardinal because I always like F. Murray Abraham and everything. Mm. But really, I mean, I didn't really you like any of them yeah, terribly much. I went for Jamie Dornan's beard. <laughs> well, um, I went for Robin Hood. <laughs> Do you know what? Okay. Actually, if I'm being serious and not counting facial hair as an MVC, it is Taron Edgerton. Yeah, he's brilliant. He actually makes what could be unwatchable, yep. genuinely unwatchable. I totally get it. Watchable. Yep. You want him to be young. Kevin Gosling is too old. He does it, you know, he does it brilliantly. And what would everyone change? I would just change Will Scarlet. He just needs to stay good for longer. He's not called Will Scarlet in this, though, is he? He's called Will don't, Tillman. Don't they mention oh, yeah. it at some point? I had it written oh, no, down. I'm assuming because his face is bright red at the bad, end, he yeah. gets the nickname <laughs> Will Scarlet in the sequel. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, but he's called Will Tillman in this. But he is Will Scarlet, so right. that's my answer. Okay. And as we've established last week, there are no right and wrong answers, even though <laughs> you two seem to think that No one does. <laughs> you just thought my face was saying it. <laughs> yeah, what would you change? Seven more passes on the script. <laughs> yeah, that was my initial answer. Then, so <laughs> I, I just can't say that. But like, just start again. 
Jamie Foxx should have put a crossbow on the end of his stump. Because I feel <laughs> like they set up something with him losing his hand mm. and then putting that metal thing on. Mm. Uh, I feel like he should have evil deaded it, not with a chainsaw, but with a crossbow, and okay. that never really goes anywhere. That would have been good. Better yeah. film. All right, then, it's time for the verdict. Which is the better Robin Hood film? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Well, Prince of Thieves sticks way too much in the mix. There's too much going on. It's unintentionally hilarious. Um, and while I like Costner back at the time, re-watching it, he got on my nerves. I wish it was someone better in that role. But Panto Rickman makes up for it. The 2018 version, I don't know why it is what it's for, why it exists. I only saw it a few days ago and I told you before this, I can't remember any of it. I had to write it all down. I don't care about any of the characters and I really, really, really don't like the fact that they kept calling him Rob, even if it is historically accurate, Vicky. So I'm going with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, I'm going to take up much less time and just say Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Prince of Thieves. I think if you're talking about who the best Robin Hood is, (laughs) it's fucking Prince of Thieves. Yeah, obviously it is. But also, don't dismiss a film that can can be a very useful learning exercise. If you want to be a writer, mm. anyone, then watch Robin Hood 2018 and learn from that. And what would be the specific lessons <laughs> that they could learn from that? People can't, you can't have someone overhear something. You can't describe something as a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I can put a list on Twitter. Great. I've got like a full list. <laughs> anyway, if we're talking about what the best film is, it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Well, there we have it. The winner this week is, quite obviously, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Congratulations. Overwhelmed with happiness. Thank you for asking. Let's hope for a closer battle on next week's show. It's your choices, isn't it, Chris? I'm excited about this one. Uh, Alex Zane, you are getting 1980s The Fog. Okay, John Carpenter, The Fog. Saw it a long time ago. We'll look forward to watching that again. And Vicky Crompton, you are getting 2007's The Mist. Stephen King's The Mist. Frank Darabont's The Mist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Have you seen The Mist? No. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. You've got a treat. Oh, wow. Take a night off for that. And that is it for this show. Next week's show, then, if you want to try and get your hands on The Mist, unfortunately, I know we did two Netflix movies this week. The Mist is quite hard to get hold of. The Fog's slightly easier. That is your research, though, if you'd like to join us. In a week's time for the next Clash of the Titles. Until then, please do get in touch if you want, at ClashPod on Twitter or show at ClashPod.com is our email. Also, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. This was a Stakhanov production. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.